Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Era Vapid Trail Talk Live. This is the Tushers 2022 edition. Welcome. I am Jamil Curry here with my co-host Matt Feldake, and we got Bryce Brooks behind the screen. Uh, we hope you guys are all doing well. We are now already towards the end of July. The mountain racing season is in full effect, I think, across North America. And we've got a ton of races to recap uh, in the sport that happened this last weekend. There's more exciting races this weekend. Uh, we have one of our own from Era Viper Running taking place in Utah. Uh, we're wearing some of the special edition merch. Actually, we've got a bit of a war going on here in the studio. We'll get to that in a second, but we're like the three amigos here. Oh, perfect. So we got the run steep get high. I'm rocking the Utah edition. Matt's got the Arizona edition, and Bryce has the Colorado edition. So this weekend, upcoming Tushers Mountain Runs 2022 edition. What we like to say about this race is it is the Hard Rock 100K of Utah. If I had to put it in one sentence. Yeah, it's like a, a miniature v version in the great state of Utah, right? Yeah, it's got high peaks, up above treeline, weather, exposure. Um, we're actually playing some clips here from the Bellis Brotherhood film from last year's race. Uh, we know that there's going to be drama in this race. It's going to be tough. Uh, we've got, you know, distances from half marathon all the way up to 100K. And it's just, it's a classic mountain race. Uh, we're so excited to be holding it again. And uh, I know I will be heading up there. I don't think you guys are going, nope. um, but I will be heading up on Friday. The team is already, I think, up there starting today, uh, getting prepped and ready. So it's kind of a whole week-long buildup. And I do have to just, you know, make a quick shout-out to Matt Gunn in remembrance of him now um, for creating this race. I ran the inaugural back in 2015 and when it was a 93K. Now it is a 100K and a 70K. And uh, without Matt and his vision... And for wanting to bring people out to this race, uh, more than any other of our races now, this is probably the most pain in the ass race to put on logistically. Um, multiple aid stations, like the only way to get to them is to drive two hours. So it's just, it's, it's wild. It's crazy. And I, every year I end up like I'm driving all night long, you know, picking up dropped runners, driving to pick up like two people and then drive all the way back to the start and then all the way back. It's, it's wild. So looking forward to it though. I still, still love going back up there. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how remote, uh, that course can get and how long it can take to go from, you know, one side of the mountain to the other, from kind of one aid station to the other. If you're faster to run yeah. almost anywhere than it is to get a ride. So think about that when you <laughs> might want to drop from this race that, you will actually be faster if you walked to the next aid station. So um, I will also say for, I know we don't have like a formal race briefing video, but I will say for anyone that's watching this, that's getting ready for Tushers, please come prepared for bad weather. This is a true mountain race. Uh, we do have required gear, but make sure you have your space blanket if in case you need to hunker down in a lightning storm. Make sure you have your waterproof jackets that are, you know, have that fresh coat of waterproof spray. You have warm layers. These storms can be nasty. I witnessed one last year right around sunset. 
that was pretty unbelievable. I was in a, a vehicle driving and it was like the, the skies unleashed on us and the runners were going across the high point of the course then the hundred K. So, um, bring your jackets, your gloves, your warm hats, all the stuff. You may not need it in the morning or the early afternoon. It's oftentimes beautiful, even if warm out, but then it can, it can get cold. So just be prepared, please. That's my like PSA for the, for the weekend. Uh, but other than that, I mean, come ready with your, with your cameras, your phones. This is a beautiful course and it is rugged and it's amazing. That's my pitch. Yeah, and it sells out super fast. So for anyone who's interested in uh, in running this, make sure you keep your eyes out for next year's race because I think that this sold out, uh, you know, months ago. Well, I think we shut down the wait list in early June. Yep. We overfilled it um, to our capacity, and we might have some stuff in the works for next year. Uh, we're talking about turning it into a two-day event so that we can increase the capacity a little bit. So we would actually move potentially the half marathon to Sunday morning, maybe even add in a 10K, something shorter than the half marathon, and that will allow us to open up a few more slots for the longer distances. So uh, we hope to get registration up and running, um, oh, maybe within the month after the race. So keep an eye out for it. Don't miss out next year. It uh, truly is, I think it should be a bucket list race for everyone to uh, come and check it out at least once. Yeah, I mean, look at this. It's really great. Can't wait to be back up there. It's gonna <laughs> be good. Uh, what else is happening with Aravipa? We got the Raised by Rams vertical challenge kicking off. Yep, that'll kick off uh, this Friday. So anyone who's out there still, you know, looking to get their vert fix in, uh, go ahead and go to runsignup.com slash raised by Rams. All one word. Tell us about how that challenge is going to work this year. Yeah, so this year it's going to be a 10-day vertical challenge. Um, you're going to have the opportunity to, you know, cram as much vert as you can into those 10 days. We've got categories for uh, treadmill users and non-treadmill users. Um, there will be badges to collect along the way. And then in addition, something that's a little bit new this year is we will have um, – a variety of kind of different challenges uh, throughout the course of the 10 days. So most of them are uh, open for the entirety of the 10 day challenge. Some of them are uh, like specific to the first weekend or things like that. But all of that information can also be found on our website. So if you just go to airviperrunning.com, uh, scroll down a little bit, Raised by Rams is on the homepage there. Uh, there's more details on all of those challenges, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a little bit different way of doing the challenges this year. Um, that is, is going to allow us to kind of give away some cool merch to people who are participating. Obviously those who tune in every week, see that we have a lot of new apparel coming out almost all the time. So, um, you know, we'll be giving away some apparel for some of our challenge winners, um, and things like that. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, the race kicks off this Friday. Registration is open uh, through next Monday. So even if you miss the first weekend, uh, maybe you're on the fence and then you see how much fun everyone's having, uh, you can still join us even after it gets a little bit underway. So it's going to be great. Awesome. Um, let's see. What else do we have going on? We have some night races. We just had one this last weekend. I will make a quick shout-out. Registration alert for upcoming Arab events. 
So the Mogion Monster uh, is coming up September 10th and 11th. This is a hard rock qualifier. The only hard rock qualifier in Arizona. And we are nearing capacity. So it looks like we have 42 spots left available in the 100 mile race. And um, the race, we've actually increased some slots, uh, I think from last year due to where we decided to no longer hold the 100K. Uh, that was kind of around for a couple years. This is the second year of the new point-to-point -point course and really a spectacular race. Um, we might get close to selling out. We're just not sure. So if you've been on the fence about it, you might want to grab one of those slots while they're there. And then we also do have uh, the 42K. So it's basically the Monster Marathon on Sunday. We also have about 41 spots left in that one. So that's that one's limited to 100 for Sunday and 200 for the 100 miler. So uh, check it out. It's really one of my favorite events uh, of the year. I don't know that I'm going to be able to run it this year. I'm going to maybe try and solicit my coach and see if I can <laughs> get some redemption. But we'll see. Bryce, you going to run your first 100 this year or what? Uh, so I'm pacing. I, I mean, maybe. We'll see. 100K, I think, is my next building block. Okay, okay. Uh, I kind of put you on the spot. <laughs> I was like, got, well, I don't he, know. He got recruit. so excited, he almost committed to it right no, there. <laughs> I'm, I'm pacing. I'm pacing Matt Halverson uh, at Mogians this year. So we'll get a little more course experience. I'm going to be up doing cabin loop, cabin loop this weekend, which would be fun. Nice. Plug Have you it. run up in that area much? Uh, more backpacking than anything. Yeah. Of course, uh, the Arizona Trail goes through there as well. Right. Yep. I did a lot of Arizona trail practice backpacking through there. Year-round water. I mean, it's hard not to beat until you get hit by a monsoon thunderstorm, and then it gets real pretty quickly. And if you are wanting to check out um, the rim in that area, which is incredible, mm -hmm. um, if you want to do it for free, there's actually a MOG training run, the third one that we've had this summer, Saturday, August 13th. That will be the Pine Trailhead to Donahue. Pine Trailhead to Donahue, and then probably back to Pine Trailhead, I'm thinking. They're going to do a loop. That's what I'm thinking. A loop? I think so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and one of the really cool things about uh, Muggy and 100-mile 100, 100 42K is, like, yes, the course is super, you know, rugged and challenging. It's super beautiful, but it's also an area that's, like, really, uh, like, lush in history as well you know some of these trails and shout out to bryce for doing you know some research on this for our marketing team like some of these you know trails and areas were you know date back to like the 1870s um and have just you know they've seen a lot <laughs> you got the historic cabins up on top yep. of the rim and it's a great blend you got the highline trail down below you know part of the zangre zangre 100k now so it's just some great stuff out there um, just a reminder, this is a live show. You can drop your questions in the chat. I don't know if we have any initially, uh, but kind of the rest of the show, we are going to talk about some of the big mountain races that happened this last weekend. We're going to recap uh, Speed Goat, Ure, High Lonesome. Then we are going to get more into Tusher's preview. We want to talk a little bit about the athletes they are going to be showing up and uh, what to expect there. But do we have any questions? Uh, only, only one from Julian, who actually who volunteers quite a bit at our events. Is Tusher's hard asking for a friend? Yes. <laughs> Quick, find out answer. for yourself. Yeah, it is. It is challenging. Um, you get up to what eleven 
what is Delano? 11.3, I think, is the high point. Some of the peaks are up at 12, but that is the high point that we get to. So it's good stuff. Love it. Um, sweet. Well, I guess definitely drop your questions. We'll have a dedicated Q&A portion at the end. And we, uh, of course, have our, I always forget the name, our quick rundown. Quick takes. Quick takes at the end. So looking forward to that. Uh, where do we want to begin? What uh, what race caught your eye this weekend that you want to start talking about, Matt? Um, I think that probably the one that was that most caught my attention, just because we had a lot of Arizona locals out there, was Speed Goat. Okay. Um, you know we had Rory Moynihan out there uh, on the Air Viper Racing Team in the 11K. Yep. Um, we had Lindsey McDonald out there in the 50k finishing third also era viper racing team um but then there were i believe natalie sandoval was out there nathaniel chan was out there um we had uh, and a, a number of others so there was a, a big arizona contingent out at speed goat so i feel like i naturally maybe saw a little bit more content behind uh behind speed goat saw lauren curry out there lauren graham boy yeah Cool right on, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is part of the UTMB World Series. Speed Goat, Carl Meltzer's race, joined at this, the series this year. They had three races up in Utah. Um, Addy Bracy took the win, uh, commanding win uh, by thirty over thirty minutes on the women's side for the fifty k, which is the longest race. Um, like you said, Lindsay McDonald was was third. Um, Lauren Curry fifth, and Natalie was eighth in the 50 to 54 age category <laughs> yeah the, uh, some of the uh some of the results have might be have, a little mixed up yeah like i think they had nathaniel chan in the uh women's 11k uh yeah david sinclair career. also 50 to 54 age category <laughs> man they really grow up fast these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he ran a 509 had um a smaller win victory six minutes over eric Sorensen, michelino sinceri and then Matt Bellis was fourth. Uh, Brian Whitfield is a name I recognize. Seventh. Morgan Elliott tenth. So it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the guys that were out at Broken Arrow kind of went over to Speedgoat this year. I mean, they usually do. Yeah. It's it's been a pretty competitive race for quite a few years now. Um. So yeah, that's cool to see. Yeah, the fields there were, were pretty pretty solid. Um, so it was really cool to, to kind of be able to see some of the content flowing through social, uh, for that race. Um, next up, I guess we'll head to Colorado for a couple big mountain hundreds. Ooh, before we oh, yeah. do have one question, does UTMB now own Speedgoat or is it a qualifying race? They now own it. They own it. Yeah. Anything that's by UTMB is owned by UTMB, by UTMB <laughs> slash Ironman. Um, your A100. So this is just a week removed from Hard Rock, and this is kind of the, you know, one of the alternate races in the San Juans. If you want to get 100 miles in, it has more climbing, and a worse finish rate. It looks like, as you can imagine, um, it looks like they had 49 finishers and or 50 finishers, and oh wow, what is the cutoff for your A100? I'm now having to ask that question. 48 hours? That's what I thought. 
is that true? I'm not doubting you. I want to say it's 48. But that's what I was thinking as well. Let's see what But the then it looks like is. there were some finishers who that yeah, it has to be longer. Cuz there's finishers with oh, like Okay, cutoff for hour. official finish is noon. 52 hours. 52 hours. Okay, perfect. Yeah. 24 for the 50 miler. Got it. So they, yeah, they did have finishers, a lot of finishers over the 48 hour mark, actually. They had 36 under 48, and then they had 14 more over. So uh, Durango local Miguel Medina, who he's done a lot of obstacle course racing in the past, and he also. I believe he won one of the Durango Skyline races. Yep, he won the uh, 50K. The 50K, he had a pretty good time there, so that's a great buildup. So Durango Skyline back in in early June, and then he took the win here, and he was so close to breaking the 30-hour barrier. What was the final time? I want to say it was 30 like hours 30 hours 27 seconds, 27 right? seconds. Yeah, yeah, so 27 seconds over. No one has broken... 30 hours on the URA 100 course before. He was agonizingly close. But well, and he has the course record. He now has it. Yeah. By, by... two and a half hours. No. What? Oh, no. Sorry. He won by two and a half hours. Sorry. Uh, 45, yeah, 46, 45, minutes. 46 minutes. Chris yeah. Price ran a 30-46. So. But still, that's, that's impressive. Um, and then on the women's side, Meredith Edwards, also course Aravipa record. racing team. No. Right? Um, Meredith oh, no. Cook. Mer- I was yeah. thinking of Meredith Cook. So Meredith Edwards, <laughs> 3401. So I guess almost breaking the 34-hour barrier, um, but she set that by 25 minutes. Both of those records previously were set in 2017, so maybe there was a weather thing. Maybe it was decent weather. I'm not sure. I'm just yeah. speculating, but also great athletes. So, Man, only seven female finishers in the 100-miler. Yeah. We'll have to have more ladies out there next year at URA. Definitely, definitely. Um, in the 50-mile distance, there's also a 50-mile distance. We saw Austin Horn uh, take the win, 1446, pretty big win. And then Emily Caldwell of Boulder was the women's champ in 1520. And it looks like Austin was in the top 10 times. Emily's was a course record. Who is Emily Caldwell? She was third at Run Rabbit Run 100 last year. She's won the Golden Gate Dirty 30 previously. Uh, Yeah, she was a DNF at Black Canyon this year. I thought the name sounded familiar. Yep. That's your A100 in a nutshell. Seems like a hard race. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of like out and backs on this one. Yep. So they're kind of peak bagging. You know, you go tag it. I think they wanted to maximize the vertical gain. So they certainly have accomplished that, it sounds like. Yeah, I had a buddy, Aaron Barber from Phoenix, went out. He's doing it as a training run for Mogion, which is quite the training run. He did the 50 or? He did the 50 mile oh, as a okay. training run. Uh, I think he ended up. Sense ended up hurting his foot or ankle on one of the last climbs and i think he dropped it like 36 sounds like it's not too serious like it's not going to be an issue for mogion but it's it seems very technical like everywhere outside of your a yeah 
maybe one of these days. Put it on your list. Yeah, way down there. <laughs> what else happened this weekend? We got a high lonesome. Yeah, we were going to talk about the high lonesome as well. Um, pulling up the results, we actually had course records. Annie on Hughes, both the men's and women's side this year. So oh. Annie Hughes, second overall. Not a surprise to see that. Cocodona legend Annie <clears throat> Hughes. So she first time taken on this course. She ran a sub 24, 2340. And then Ryan Smith, who was third last year at Hard Rock. He's won this race before and he broke his own course record by about four to five minutes. He ran a 20, 58, 57 way out front. I think from the gun, pretty much. We had uh we saw Scott Trayer got in off the wait list a couple weeks before. He did have to drop out. I haven't heard yet why. Maybe something to do with placing top 10 at Western States a month ago. Yeah, I mean. Just guessing. Yeah, I mean, after that Western performance, you've got to probably be pretty cooked physically and mentally after you just push everything you have into, like, one big effort there. Well, even people that run Western States well and then try and go UTMB, Which and is that's like a whole month, month later, later, so you yeah. have two months. I mean one month after states and running that that uh kind of a time and that aggressively i don't know not usually going to turn out super well but kudos to scott for towing the line um let me see if i can find out how far he made it i want to say it was 60 something maybe around the 100k mark yeah mile 68.7 in 16 hours so it looks like he was around second place at the time so he's probably running in second most of the day and you know probably could have walked it out and got a finish but it's not always in the cards sometimes yeah. you want to live to race another else. day what's that said live to race another day yeah it happens you know so yeah he made it to monarch pass and uh pulled out so Oh man, right there. Look at that. Oof. It just looks fake. It's so good. It does. It does. Man, a lot of uh a lot of really strong performances there at High Lonesome. Devin what Yanko what in the field there. Oh yeah, Devin Yanko well, got a finish. Having a she was fourth female, solid run. Let's see what else we had this weekend. Yuri High Lonesome, Speed Goat. Um, those are kind of the main ones that I see. I don't know if anyone in the chat has anything else uh, that they noticed out there. And look, see what else do we have this weekend? Oh, Grand Mesa Ultras. That was one of my favorites. That'll be this weekend. Well, you know, aside from Tushers, which is obviously the, the big story this weekend, Tagger Van Etten making his return to uh, to the ultra distances really? this well, weekend. Really? I didn't hear about this. What's happening? He is running the uh, Badger Trail Races 100 Mile, put on by 10 Junk Miles. Oh, shout out, uh, Scotty Coomer. Up in, uh, up in Wisconsin. Nice. So TVE making his, uh, making his return to... To the sport, we knew we couldn't stick around or uh, stay away for too long. We've got uh, looks like the Never Summer 100K. I know that's a big one put on by NAR runners. Burning River 100 is also this weekend. 
that's usually a pretty competitive race. Uh, 16th annual, it looks like, in Ohio. It's a point-to-point. -point. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch uh, all those play out. Speaking of Matt Gunn, there he is. Uh, what else do we want to get into? We have any uh, questions in the chat? Let's see. So it's pertaining to Tushers. Yep. I, I want to run Tushers next year, but haven't done anything more than a 50K. Should I go out for the 70K or jump into the deep end and sign up for the 100K? I don't want to DNF. Uh, I would... I would say both are possible. It depends on probably what that 50K was. If it was a mountainous 50K and you're used to being in the mountains, I would say you could jump up to the 100K, uh, especially maybe if you have something like a 50 miler planned for the fall. If you're unsure, I would say go for the 70K. You really can't lose with that race. You get to see almost the same amount of area you skip an out and back up to Copper Belt Peak. But other than that, you get to see most of the 100K course. So I would say I would lean towards doing the 70K if that's kind of your next step up in distance, definitely. And that's what we were just watching Matt Bellis run the 70K. Or was it the 100K? Maybe it was the 100K. Uh, he did the 100K. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cascade Crest, is that going on this weekend? That Quite possibly. Happened. That oh, just really? happened. Oh, that just happened. Gotcha. Was someone asking about it? Yep. Let's take a look. Half of the top 10 at High Lumsome were women. Talk about some parody. Awesome. Nice. Well, it also helps that half of the field is women. So they make a point to, uh, I think the way their lottery works is they have half the field for men, half the field for women. So Jesse, oh, okay. So Jesse Lang won Cascade Crest in 1907. And then the women, Hannah Bright won in 2331. This is for Cascade Crest. That's a pretty solid time. For- To go under 24 hours. On the ladies' side at Cascade Crest. I mean, the course record's 1925. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I guess it it puts her an hour outside of the top ten still. Yeah. And then, Je yeah, it looks like a bit of a slower year. Not sure yeah, the if that's just the competition-wise, but Seth Swanson has the course record in 1756. Yeah. Winning time this year was 1907, so. About 20 minutes outside of the top yeah. ten on the men's side there. Is that Nick with a beard? Oh, yeah. This is uh, the year that Nick ran the 70K, I think the inaugural year, and he did kind of a phone vlog throughout the whole race. So if you want to see kind of an inside view of the Tusher 70K from a runner's perspective, you had, uh, yeah, Tusher's Mountain Runs 2020. We can probably name that something a little better, but it's basically Nick's, Nick's run, firsthand experience of, of running the race taking pictures, taking a little video, so. Showing off his beard. 
Oh, look, he's eating dates. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> check that one out. There's some good Tushers videos out there. I think there's even mine from 2015, some some shots from that first year you can check out. We got a question about Nick and shoes, which has seemed to be a kind of like a hot topic lately, but I'll, I'll pull that up because it ties into one of my quick takes. So, Perfect. Cool. We'll do that a little later. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, well, let's get into the uh the actual entrance list for tushers so 135 are signed up for the 100k we've got 118 for the 70k the marathon has 95 the half marathon has 113 so in the 100k it looks like some of our top seeded runners um i don't know if you recognize many of these names but david tanner richard lockwood nathan rubenfield tyler burke george greiger Matt Halverson, Matt Halverson is here. Yeah. Um, it looks like none of them have finished Tushers before. Anyone in the top. So that's pretty cool. There's going to be a lot of fresh fresh meat, so to speak. Uh, on the women's side, we got Jordan Lutz. Uh, Ashley Paulson signed up, the woman who just won and set the course record at Badwater. I'm not sure if she's actually going to toe the line. I think she's still deciding is what I heard. But she also just ran a marathon. I think this last weekend... So she might show up. She might not. Oh, Mally Noyes. Um, I do know she is a big skier, and I believe she did the 70K. I thought she did the 70K last year, but it's not showing that. So she has done well. She won the Speedgoat 25K, fourth at Speedgoat 50K, second and third at the River of No Return 55K, but she's stepping up and doing her first 100K at Tushers leading into the Bear in September. So that's going to be one to watch. Mally Noyes. Um, Justine Hewitt is our top-seeded runner that has finished the race before. And it looks like she was sixth in last year. And Jesse Morton Langhaug, that name is definitely familiar from Cocodona, the inaugural year. And she also has a seventh place finish at Tushers in 2020. But man, she's running Tushers, Bigfoot, Bear. Wow. That's quite (laughs) the year. That's a solid lineup. That's That's a pretty solid, yeah, next three months. So, yeah, a lot of fresh faces on uh, actually both fields. There's just a handful of finishers mm-hmm. for the 70K, too. So it's awesome to see a lot of people are are uh, coming out for it. Oh. So you got yeah. something, Bryce? Aid Station Fireball's in the chat. Looks like – I mean, I, I had uh, – is Jen Laughlin still running it? I don't know what distance she's running it. But I believe she's still running it, correct? Our very own social media manager, Jen Laughlin. Great question. She is running the 100K. Cool. Mm. Right on. Last year, she did the 70K, and then she fin- went on to finish the Mogian Monster, so she figures she's got a got an upper game. She just she wants that uh, extra Tushers experience, you know? Um, we've got Andrew Bellis signed up for <sighs> the 70K. Oh, do we? Yep. Georgia Porter. 
Flagstaff's own also in the 70K Ooh, field's pretty solid. That is legit. Yep. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe more stacked than the 100K. Ooh, Jerome Jordan. Nice. There's some good names in here. So, yeah, um, Georgia Porter coming off a third-place finish at Broken Arrow, 52K. She also won the Crown King Scramble earlier this year and was second at the 60K at Black Canyon. I would expect her to do quite well here. Teresa Kaiser is also in the field. She, uh, I think, had a top 10 at Black Canyon in 2021, I believe. Yeah, 10th place at uh, 2021 Black Canyon. Sarah Skirm of Utah. She looks like she wins a lot of local 50Ks. Shout out to the Capstone 50K Turtle Miller's race in St. George. Um, yeah, kind of that that southern Utah, Nevada area. She looks to be cleaning up over there. So uh, she won the Firefest Ultra 50 Miler in Nevada. And first overall, actually. So nice. She's going to be hopping into the 70K. Let's go. She's probably been training on the course, I would imagine, since she looks like she yeah. lives in the area. Uh, let's see. Other than that, trying to see if there's anything else interesting. Um, the marathon distance. Charlie McKee's Charlie McKee. coming back. Yep. Um, shout out to Steph Gardner. I think I saw she got in off the wait list recently. Yep. She's also uh, signed up for Bear later this fall. Nice. Great training run for that. Absolutely. Aubrey Miser, Black Canyon 60K winner, Sean O'Brien 50K winner. Wow. Is in for the marathon, so that's I mean, exciting. Hasn't lost a race in his, uh, in his career. Nice. And it looks like Jacob Grant, a younger name, but he's got some solid results. Second at McDowell Mountain Frenzy 50K this last year in 340. He's also running the marathon, so that'll be a good little competition there. And, I mean, let's take a look at the half marathon. Sometimes we can get some real fast guys there too. Um, Alex Ladd, he's got, uh, it looks like, our winner from last year. He's coming back. He had the fifth fastest time all time last year in 205. A bit off Craig Hunt's course record of 148. But he uh, he battled it out with Ryan Roanhouse last year. Doesn't look like he's coming back, but shout out to John Willman. We got Vivian from Tucson. Oh, Looks yeah. like she's signed up. Shout out, shout out to Viv's Is vibes. Our top yep. Top women's seed um, coming on up for her first one. That's kind of what I see. That's my Tushers breakdown. I don't know if there's any more questions, but. No, it's pretty awesome to see some, like, really solid runners in each of the race distances, you know? We will have some live updates from the course um, this year. So, yeah, check out live.airviperunning.com this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a good time. There's going to be a lot of people like to camp out for this race. So Eagle Point Resort, which is where the race is held. Uh, we've got a couple lots that are just dedicated to camping. So come out, 
camp with us, enjoy the weekend, bring rain jackets. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll have packet pickup on Friday with our, our store. You can check out some of these new t-shirts there, pick up your Utah merchandise. And there is a pre-race feed you can get in the lodge there. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think, uh, Thank you to the community. I just got to say this real quick because we do have quite a few volunteers this year, which is a first for us at Tushers. So I'll just continue to say if you want to volunteer, I believe we will still welcome you. But it's nice to see people kind of spending their weekend up in the mountains. Um, I think Alunite is the one we're still hoping to get someone to take over. Um, but it's kind of a great way to spend the weekend um, in the mountains, supporting runners. You can definitely come and camp out at one of the aid stations for the whole weekend. So uh, if you are listening to this and you want to come out or you're going to be out there anyways, you want a, a chance to see your runner, it's limited on crew spots. That's a way to see your runner on course. Please let us know. Reach out. Do you have any personal preference between a rain jacket versus a rain poncho for this race specifically? definitely a rain jacket with uh the wind can kind of rip through a rain poncho i would almost always recommend a rain jacket and then a general running question what causes nausea and how do i avoid it in a race hard to push through it even when the legs are still feeling good and if i could figure that out i would not be here right now no <laughs> um i think there's a number of factors it could be a nutritional imbalance sometimes it could be altitude um, I don't know. Salt? Possible. Yeah. I would say talk to, I'm not the most knowledgeable on this fact on this subject, but yeah, I agree with you. It can be extremely challenging. Um, what I found sometimes works for me is like, sometimes if I do too much sweets, it can be a problem. So kind of mixing things up, getting some savory foods, kind of balancing it out. Um, I think doing your best to test things in training is yeah. huge as well, right? Because your stomach uh, is used to like absorbing a meal and breaking it down while you're sitting at a dinner table and not, you know, trying to climb up a mountain or run on a flat section. And so part of it is, you know, training your gut and your body to kind of metabolize or break down foods at like elevated heart rates. Um, and some of it is, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like kind of trial and error, right? It's how you solve a lot of problems. Yeah, I think probably that's a good point. Like pushing yourself at a race day effort on a long training run and using the same nutrition you would is probably a good idea. Even simulate your dinner the night before, what you would maybe have. Sometimes I can run into issues even with, yeah, like not eating properly in the day before a big race as well. It's kind of dialing that in. What is the greatest elevation at Tushers? Give me one second. Yeah. I should have this memorized. But it's Delano Peak, and it's at 12,174. Although the sign on top of Delano Peak says 12,169. So there is a cool sign right there. And Jubilee Page will be out there taking your photo right in that area, so keep an eye out for her. But yeah, that's a great spot to kind of take take a little break, soak it up. It's pretty high up. It's high yeah. up for Utah. There's not a whole lot of peaks higher than that. 
Are we offering lightning repellent? I don't think so this year. I think we ran out. <laughs> but yeah, if there's lightning, I mean, get to a lower elevation. Don't go over the highest peaks when there's a lightning storm. I've had to hunker down at tree line before course marking. Yeah. Um, but the problem is when you stop, you get cold. So that's where even having like a foldable space blanket can be so important. Um, where you can actually cover yourself up, get out of the wind, even on top of having that rain jacket on can be super important. Is the, uh, does the 70 K also hit the high point? All races do nice. even the half marathon. Love it. <laughs> half marathon as they should. does an out and back basically to the high point. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And keep an eye out for the mountain goats. The mountain goats are usually there's a couple herds running around near Delano. So there's these white, yeah, white mountain goats live up there. It's a unique part of the race. We got the real speed goats. <laughs> the Tushers, baby. <laughs> the OG speed goats. Uh, what do you guys think? Should we jump into some quick takes? Yeah, let's do it. Let's um, do it. Yeah, and drop any other questions you have on anything. We'll get to them right after quick takes. I'm going to drag this quick take to the front because we did have a relevant question, but... Just, since there's been so much talk about Nick Curry shoes, Nick uh, posted on Instagram just to kind of give an overview. And I mean, he's basically running in road shoes. Like for, I mean, even hard rock, which is kind of hard for me to believe, but I mean, he does it efficiently. I used to run in the Mizuno Wave Musha for every ultra race I did for several years including really? hard rock, including Barkley. It was a marathon road racing shoe, as you know. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you notice like a difference in traction? Did you notice like slippage or anything? Is that why you switched? So the, uh, no, the Musha one actually had this, it's kind of like Nick talks about, maybe you can go over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he talks about this uh, one more over. Yeah, he talks about this shoe a lot. So whatever this sort of rubber is there, I think the Musha had, actually it's something different than that, but it had this like rubber compound that had, it's just a really great pattern in it. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you call it. You may know what it's called, but it was like a pretty durable rubber. And it kind of reminds me, I for some reason I got in this little bit of a YouTube rabbit hole of, um, oh my gosh, Free Solo, Alex Honnold. Oh. Yep. So, you know, you got these, these rock climbers that can kind of smear their thumbs into these little tiny cracks and crevices, or they're using friction. And I, I've never thought about it like this before until this came up, but I think it's in the same way. It's like almost how you use the traction you have is more important than the amount of traction you have. Those guys can take something, little imperfection in a rock, and they can use it to their advantage to hold on to a a vertical wall that has nothing else to it. Um, I think it's the same kind of thing. If you're used to it and you know how to use your footwear and you have good technique, it's more about how you apply the pressure of your foot than the amount of lugs or the depth of your lugs that you have. And I think that's how it is here with Nick and some of these road shoes. And from my experience, it was more about getting used to running in a road flat, toughening your feet up and like kind of knowing how it would react stepping on different surfaces, whether that's a rock or if it's large boulders or a loose scree field where you might act differently, you might go with the flow versus 
kind of dancing from rock to rock and things like that. Yeah, and I will say Adidas is probably like maybe one of the better road shoes. I guess not necessarily better, but the, uh, a lot of their outsole rubbers are made by Continental, yeah. uh, the same company that obviously manufactures tires. So their outsole rubber tends to be like naturally maybe a little bit tackier, yeah, a little bit grippier. Right and this stuff, when it's new in the middle, actually has quite a bit of tackiness and grip mm-hmm. before they, of course, rip off. Yep. Yeah. And so I think that that's like one of the kind of like interesting things. And obviously, like Adidas isn't the only one who's like getting rubber compounds from uh, other like rubber manufacturers. Um, but I think that that does help. And then again, having like real efficient running economy. And not every road shoe is created equal. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Like if you grab something that's completely smooth on the bottom, it's no matter what you do, it's going to be real tough. Like on a muddy section, you're going to be you're going to be all over the place. But if you have at least a portion of it that does have that grip or that better rubber or something, you can start to learn how to use that in a way that can be helpful. Um, so the question that was relevant to this, I don't know if we've discussed specifically this before. I think maybe we talked about Arlen Glick and his shoe deals. How is it that Jamil has a major shoe contract, but his record-setting brother Nick Curry does not? <laughs> I don't know if that's shots fired. Follower count? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's something. it's something to be um, – I think brands do look at that for sure. Um yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. Like, yeah, I make all these YouTube videos, and like, yeah, I have I mean, gained more metrics, I guess. But you know, and not to say I'm more deserving. I'm in a different, just in a little bit different category. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. Nick could probably get one. Um, he could probably reach out to a bunch of brands, and I bet he could sign a shoe deal. I don't think he would have a problem sure. doing that. I don't know that he wants to, or maybe the ones he would want, he. I don't know. Maybe he could do Adidas. Who knows? He doesn't have an agent. He's not pursuing it. I think that's part of it. Yeah, for sure. And I think like just the landscape is always evolving, right? Like a decade ago, it was only how fast you were was the only thing that mattered. And then it shifted to maybe a little bit more the opposite direction where they only carried, cared about your influence and your reach, right? How many, uh, like people can you communicate with for the brand essentially. And now I think it's maybe a little bit more in the middle where yeah, they mix. care about how fast you are, but they also want you to be active on social talking to your audience and representing the brand, uh, in, a uh, in like a more forward way. So well, I think some brands and companies too, they're doing a mix of both, right? Yeah. They have different categories. Like, I mean, at the moment I'm not like, the Salmon athlete that's competitive, which makes me sad, but it is what it is at the moment. I'm more of like the, um, inspirational, they call it is like my category, um, working with them right now. So it's like, it's probably more about the fact that I share so much about my training journey and what I do with Aravipa and, you know, with, you know, these big projects that I do doing all these, all these races, not necessarily how I'm performing at the moment. Um, it's not as important. So hopefully that answers your question. Jackson in the chat says his first 50 K is coming up and it has a lot of stream crossings. Um, do you have any thoughts on, uh, dealing with that? 
um, probably do it in training. Go get your feet and your shoes wet. I would say um, for 99% of races out there, it's not something where I would say, you know, change your socks and shoes after you go through it. While certainly, especially for something not, I will say as short as a 50K, um, that's certainly, if that's your first one, it's your longest run ever and it's a huge deal. Um, but for me, like, you know, we're running hard rock and it's impossible to keep your feet dry for long. There's a lot of mandatory crossings. Um, but I was able to change my shoes a couple times. I think out of Ure, I was able to keep my feet dry actually all the way from Ure, almost all the way, I think to Cunningham, actually, it was a low water year though. Mm. So, but in, in general, I think, um, you know, finding, finding how that water will affect your feet is important in advance. And there's some things you can do. You can, some people will apply like a balm or something on their feet to kind of repel the water. Sometimes the certain kind of sock you wear can dry out quicker or certain shoes will drain better. But I think in general, majority of runners will, you know, get their feet wet and, and just kind of have to work through that. And everyone's feet, I will say, reacts differently to it. Yep, for sure. I think that's why it's important to test it before race day uh, so that you have a general idea of how your feet and how your body's going to react to moving when they're wet, you know? And maybe you'll find that, like, oh, if I get my socks and shoes wet, I have this, like, hot spot that develops around my heel. Maybe you can tape that up with, like, a waterproof tape, um, something like a rock tape or a kinesio tape that can you know, once it gets wet, it can still, that friction won't, uh, impact you. And that's kind of what oftentimes causes these blisters and these issues is there's friction. And so if you can reduce that, if you are negatively affected by that, then that could be helpful. My feet at this point, I don't know if it's just years of training and doing this. I can almost wear like any combination of sock and shoe. I'll sometimes get a little bit of a hot spot but it usually doesn't develop into a full-blown blister or something that's going to negatively affect me. The uh, caveat to that was Cocodona. <laughs> it was, but that's a whole other thing. That was like after, you know, four days of running. All right. That's fair. For, for get, did you get some blisters on Cocodona? I had like full bottom of the foot blisters like on the ball of my feet. <sighs> and it didn't bother me until about the last 20 miles but it was fine if I kept moving, like it kind of like the pain went away. If I stopped, I could kind of feel the fluids like rushing in there and it was just like really painful. And then I would kind of get going again. And after like three or five minutes, it would kind of numb out. That happened to me on the Arizona trail too. Oh, I don't know if that, if you had any feet problems when you did it a little bit. Yeah. But my, oh my God, I had blisters upon blisters upon blisters of the Arizona trail. And then at some point, yeah, it's just like the first hour was really painful and then it would just kind of numb out and I would just go all day and <laughs> yeah, I just can't feel my feet until I, until I stop. Yeah. How was, uh, coming down Eldon lookout road in Cocodona with blisters all on the bottom of your feet? As long as I kept moving, it was okay. But if we <laughs> stopped to like, you know, look at the trail junction signs or, you know, take a little breather, the pain would come back. And the next morning was the worst pain I've been in probably after a race. 
man. So speaking of feet on long efforts, uh, Dave Proctor, four or five days ago. He did it. He did it. He did the thing. Um, entirely in a cowboy hat, which I absolutely respect. Love <laughs> it. Uh, but he also posted a picture of his feet. I mean, he did have one spill. Jeez. That's a great photo. <laughs> cowboy hat was not <laughs> He looks so, it's like a blood tear. He looks so sad. If it weren't for his hydration vest, you would think it was like out of a Western movie. Oh my gosh. Nothing. They're beautiful. Wow. He wore Ultra Vera's, which aren't the most cushion road shoe. Swiftwick socks. Yep. Nice. It's good yeah. for that sock company. That's some good PR yeah, right there. No, seriously. No kidding. What else we got in the quick takes? Let's see. Uh, this was from the 5K last night. Uh, last week. Last week. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, Jacob won it by quite a bit, which Jacob. I didn't catch it. Wow. Jacob? Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Thank Jam- you. The fact that Jamil knew that is pretty insane. Come on. You've been talking to Skyler? I knew about that. <laughs> but something happened that doesn't normally happen in 5Ks is they actually actually got out of line as if he were in an ultra marathon and got a cup of water and then come back to win it. You're allowed to do that? Apparently. They had water tables out uh, for the 5K and 10K because they ran a <laughs> midday and it was pretty hot. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Don't Where's the guy that just like, and then yeah. you have the last one? <laughs> <laughs> that, I've literally, I've never seen that in a 5K before. That's Neither. Awesome. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So maybe soon, if I mean, is, is like grilled cheese sandwiches and bean roll up, <laughs> have like, like an aid station, <laughs> or you see him running around with like a naked belt, you know? Oh yeah, like a Solomon pack or a couple hand bottles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. This is a little bit older, uh, but this is how I see the future of man against horse, man against Tesla. So in this challenge, you don't understand? I don't understand. So this runner basically went against Tesla on a full charge, and they both went the same speed until the Tesla completely died. Well, yeah, if you go the same speed, obviously the guy is going to outlast it, right? So it just followed him? That's my understanding. (laughs) So how far did he have to run? 77 hours, say ultra marathon or Robbie. He ran like 300 miles to prove Proving this. maybe nothing. 242 miles. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. This is the ultimate gimmick run. What the- better opponent for a modern take on the man versus horse race? And then, there, I mean, there was also the banana runner that went out at the Arizona. I saw this. I don't know. I can pull this up real quick. I think... There's just like, there's so many records that you can go after and like little niche things. Well, there was this big battle between Pam Reed and Dean Carnassus at one point that was like, how far can you run, quote unquote, nonstop, meaning you don't walk, you don't sleep, or, or maybe it was just you don't sleep, and they were they were like trying to come up with this record, but it's like, you know, it's kind of done outside the confines of a real competition, and the rules are somewhat vague. I don't know. It reminds me of that. Uh, oh, I thought maybe. Oh, yeah, this is the one. 
This is from uh, the Arizona Rock and Roll Marathon from this year. But this gentleman wore a banana suit, ran a 244 marathon, and is now in the Guinness Book of World Records as the fastest man to run a marathon in a fruit costume. There's a lot of those. Like Ian Sharman would do a ton of those, like as Elvis or dressed up as all kinds of different things. Yeah, they have so many different costume categories. Hasn't made its way to like the 100-mile distance yet. Fastest to run 100 miles in a fruit costume. We're just going to put it out there. Jeff, If Jeff Garmeyer oh. watches this. Oh, scandal. Scandal. <gasps> I've never heard of this. What? So I don't know how uh, trustworthy run repeat is. It sounds like some of their stuff is a little borderline. but Like they're compressing. Or if the other, the other thought is that if you're stepping in it, then it compresses the foam to a point where it might be closer to zero drop. But three millimeters, I feel like, is significantly more than zero drop. And you can tell just looking that it's quite a bit bigger there than there. Yeah. That is an ultra. What it, shoe is it? That is the Ultra Rivera. So that's the same shoe that Dave Proctor ran his And they still claim it's zero drop. My understanding. So I don't know. It, I mean, I would be Scam. more inclined to run in a shoe that was three millimeters of drop rather than none. Yeah, but if you're an ultra person, <laughs> would you be... Like, if you're an ultra fan and you've bought into zero drop uh foot shaped toe box those kinds of things you might not feel great about this however again probably still needs to be uh some further research um into the drop and you're right a lot of it depends on like how the manufacturer measures if they're if it's uh, weighted the down. drop yeah yeah hmm I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't like zero drop personally. I prefer a drop and even a decent drop. That's just my two cents. I'm there with you. I, yeah. I, I had uh, some lower calf issues when I was running in the ultras for a while, and I you switched out. build up to it, Bryce. I did the whole Arizona trail in them, and, <laughs> and then I started running in them. I thought it was did there. Did you train up with them prior? Uh, to the Arizona trail? Yeah. Oh, I had no problems on the Arizona Trail. It's when oh. I was afterwards I started running. Oh, okay. And that's when I noticed it. Yeah, so that is. You'd think that that would be enough warm up. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. They worked well for that though. They worked great. Nice. The Lone Peaks, yeah. Um, I don't know what to say, but that seems like we need to do some investigation. Maybe we'll have to swing by uh, Soul Sports <laughs> with a with a little saw. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a great video. Um, next race, potentially. There's actually a lot of these. Um, these are Packborough races. This guy has a pretty cool GoPro with the stats. There's but, a Burrow race over uh, in Superior, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, there's a – it's like Colorado and Arizona. See these grids? That's yeah. the poop. That's the poop thing. That's the poop thing because they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do poop. Or it's a poop. Right there. See, it ended. So they they bet you like buy a poop what? spot. Yeah. And I you like buy a square. And if it poops in your square, you do like you win oh, part of the round. that one pooped. Wow. Oh, and they always poop right away too. So it's, yeah, it's never a problem. I did not <laughs> poop know drop, that was. I think it's called. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yep. yep. But I didn't realize quite how many there are. These There's like eight in Colorado alone. Yeah, there's like, a handful in Arizona. So they like to be in Colorado in the summer, and then they come to Arizona in the wintertime. There's 
a Black Canyon Donkey Derby. There's Is one in there? Tombstone, one in Superior. Oh. There's probably a couple others. And I heard you can you can lease these donkeys. Like, you don't have to own your own burrow. Correct. Yep. So you just run with a donkey. Yeah. Well, they also used to have an alpaca-thon. It's oh. like uh, you run with an alpaca. It's like a marathon, but with an alpaca. Honestly, I could get behind this. And look, it even has, like, the bottles. You can see the Some bo- are quite big, and then some are, like, real small. It's, like, a pretty big pretty big variant so maybe the little ones are better climbers that one's pretty small over there (laughs) (laughs) just a little guy yeah look at him (laughs) yeah there people get into this people are really into this is there like a tour can you go like professional is there a circuit championship too yeah i might look at their pace i need to start working on my fitness yeah they're they're running like six minute pace yeah so the one like mountainous courses or yeah look at the elevation profile Uh Yeah, they're like they start in. The, they're always in towns, typically, but yeah, they head out in the streets, then they go into the mountains, and then they come back and finish in towns. I think the superior ones around twelve miles is the long course, and then they've got shorter courses as well. There you go. I bet it makes it tough to pass, huh? I mean, this is an interesting one because it's an out and back course, but they're not all like that. Oh, oh. dang! Oh. I don't know if that's just the angle, but that looks like some crazy exposure. Wow. I got some cool stats here. They've got like the elevation. Oh, overlaid. that is cool. Who do you think the like the limiting factor in the partnership is here? Is it the borough or is it, it the, on the person? Team. There could probably be some pretty fit boroughs. There's a pass on the remote section. I know there are some people who will coax. They'll like they'll lease the same donkey year after year, and they get used to running with it if they don't own one. Anyway. I'd probably, if I was going to go to the pro circuit, I'd probably, you know, want to own, own my burrow, you know, train them up, you know, yeah. just like it's uh like we're getting ready for the Kentucky Derby or something. Oh yeah. And if you have one of those little ones, they could probably just live in like an apartment. Even. Oh yeah. I'd probably <laughs> just give them a room. What are these like issues? Is that for like the donkey? Like you fill it up with from a stream and they can drink from it or something? Well, this guy's even got like a pickaxe. Oh, so it's like traditional um, tools because they, I mean, the burrows used to pack all kinds of things out in the mountains. It makes sense. Like that a lot of these towns, they're using burrows and then they're going to like race them. Oh, so he finished already. Where's the finish? Is that? Oh, okay. Oh, is he going to make the oh, sprint finish? Oh, man, he's slap. You see that? He's like yeah. twirling it. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like fun. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just a pan, like a gold pan. It's just for, like, looks. Yeah. It's a burrow racing. <laughs> These burrows look tired. They probably had the best day ever. I mean, I'm sure they loved it. Uh, what else? Georgetown. Oh, an- yet another weird niche record. This happened recently. <sighs> this guy did the fastest 10K while juggling. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Like fast, thirty-four forty-seven for ten k. That's fast. Well, I mean, without juggling, that's fast. That's really fast. Joggler, joggler, joggling, warming up. <laughs> see, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's fast. Oh, yep. Is it? So that's my quick takes. 
What was the carrot? That was the uh, the guy who did the uh, the record. He so he oh bro- he did the banana, but he also did the carrot. So he's got the record for both a fruit and a vegetable. A why? I mean, why not? And then you got to come up with something else. Dude, thirty four forty seven. That's fast. Yeah, I mean, thirty one fifteen is five minute pace. Thirty seven thirty is six minute pace. Uh, we so do solid. have a couple more questions. I want to jump into the chat here. Keep this rolling. From couch to hard rock in 13 days is very impressive. Do you attribute your finish to your previous years of experience on that course? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't total couch, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, I've been running for a long time, running ultras for a long time. So I've got a lot of muscle memory, a lot of experience time on feet. I mean, I did a lot of hiking and walking in the race. Um, Minority of it was actually running. And a lot of that was downhill miles. So I would say, yeah, like it was my fourth, fourth best time out of six tries. So it was in the, in the lower half of my performances at hard rock. So I would say if I was better trained, I would probably be closer to, you know, maybe a, th- a sub 30 hour sure. run. Yeah. So quite a bit off of a time I'm capable of. I mean, I would, for God's sake, I was 12 hours behind the, 13 hours behind the winners. When you think about it like that, sure. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a pretty casual day. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you say it like that, you know, You've also done a lot of hard things too. I think that that like helps, you know, over the course of your ultra career, you haven't just done uh flat runnable things. Uh, you've done a lot of like hard things. And I think that that makes it a little bit easier probably to do and more I do hard things. fairly well altitude these days too. Um, I seemed, I wasn't affected by the altitude too bad overall. So Robbie Bellinger, who is the guy who did yes the Tesla the Tesla, I didn't really aid station fireball coming in the chat connecting the dots for me. He's the guy who did the Colorado Crush. So he went out and he hiked the whole Colorado Trail, and then immediately hiked every single 14er in Colorado, which is like 50 something peaks, 40, 54, 54. And then as soon as he was finished with that, he did Leadville 100. He did this all in one summer. No, thanks. <laughs> okay, wow. so that makes sense. That is, that is amazing. Um, do you think Nick would even really want to sign to a particular shoe company? I don't think so. <laughs> I think he likes the ability to try different things and... You know, he's not a guy that needs a sponsorship in order to to do what he does. So, so the the burros uh, are required to have traditional gear, which is where the pickaxe and the pan come in. With Nick's extensive analytics, I believe a choice in shoes for his specific needs at different times without being locked into and limited by one brand, which makes sense. Yeah. The world record for the fastest half marathon while juggling is 117.09. Wow. That's wild. Oh, man. 
I think that's. I mean, that's sub six minute pace for a half marathon. <laughs> no big deal. No, <laughs> well, while juggling. <laughs> I feel like Sage Canada should give it a shot. Can he juggle? Is he a juggler? Really? I know he's a man can, of like, many I'm pretty talents. sure he can juggle on a unicycle. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> Burrow Racing has a try. You swim what? with your donkey and then you bike with your donkey? Bike with your donkey. <laughs> or maybe you ride the donkey? Uh, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. You ride the donkey, you run with the donkey, and then you're both swimming next to each other. Get really connected with that donkey. Oh, yeah. Dude, I need to research this pro circuit. I need to see what I need to do to to qualify. God, look at that. Okay. So the guy who did the 10K also has the half marathon. The same guy. Oh, makes it makes sense. a little bit more sense. He probably has like a stupid flat 10k pr too i wonder if he trains like that every day when he goes on his normal jog the thing is is if you're a real efficient juggler you probably don't need to be a ton faster yeah you know he probably doesn't need to be a 29 minute 10k guy if he's just a really good juggler maybe he's a 32 minute 10k guy sidecar donkey (laughs) (laughs) all right is I that all you got for us, Brad? That's all I got for you. Well, I'm excited to go and research some borough racing. Me too. May have to see when the one in Superior is. Maybe it's in October. Maybe pick out my donkey. Oh, there is a triple crown of borough racing. Yeah, it looks like October 22nd is the Superior Borough Run. Good to know. You must provide a range for your own borough, but. I'm sure you can reach out to some people to rent one. I'll have to look Check into it, it. If anyone in the chat, you know, Has owns it. a burrow or knows someone who owns a burrow, I mean, October is a long ways away to build some fitness. You well, know? you got to probably build some rapport with your burrow too. You well, need to yeah, go on I'm, some training runs. You need some visitation rights. Some like get you know? used to one another and like, cause you don't want to be the guy that's like mm. yanking on your burrow on main no. street trying to get it out of the poop zone <laughs> i want i want the burrow to be pulling me along yeah, exactly you know? absolutely <laughs> awesome cool well i guess that kind of wraps up this week's show thank you guys all for tuning in we'll be uh back here again next week uh for episode 70 uh we'll probably be talking post tushers uh we'll be into august pretty close at that point yep. so uh, which, of course, at the end of the month will be UTMB. Um, we'd love to hear your questions next week as well. So anything else you guys have? Nope. All righty. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.